from Vancouver, British Columbia, weighing 275 pounds, Tom McGee. Mega Man McGee. How's it going, everybody? This is the Nitty Gritty. My name is Chad. With me, as always, is Leonard. And this week, we are going to do another installment of our Spotlight series, where we cover a talent and go over their career and life. And we usually try to tackle talent that might not have gotten a full detailed podcast or documentary out there. Uh, and this week, we kind of break our rule uh, because there have been quite a few documentaries involving this person, but maybe not as much his wrestling career, although we'll get to that. And that is Tom McGee. So most people know Tom McGee for one specific reason, uh, but we're going to delve into his life and career here. So let's start with his early years. That's usually how we get things rolling here. And he was born July 1st, 1958. And he, his name is Thomas McGee from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. So when he was younger, he got involved in martial arts until he turned 19. And then he went into powerlifting and bodybuilding. He also has background in gymnastics and box boxing. And I guess he would go on to get a black belt in karate. Um, but a big part of his life is his bodybuilding and strongman career. So he became a Canadian national powerlifting champion in 1981 and 1982. He placed second at the IPF World Powerlifting Championship in 81 in the 125 kilogram weight class. He would go on to be in a documentary that kind of chronicled his training and victory at the 1982 IPF World Championships entitled Tom McGee, Man of Iron. Uh, he was then moving on to strongman competitions. And in 1982, he placed second in the world's strongest man competition. He's the only Canadian to have reached that position. He would place fourth in 1983 in that, in that competition and then fifth in 1985. So it is worth noting that the year that he finished Second was the last year that Bill Kazmaier would compete. And of course, Bill Kazmaier would get first. I don't know if anybody's watched any of those competitions late night on ESPN. I know I did back in the day. I also follow them on Facebook. And oddly enough, before we were going to do this, a lot of Tom McGee content would pop up on my page. <laughs> Whether or not that's, uh, you know, people listening in on my phone, who knows, but uh, there was quite a few videos. And one of them is one of the records he has in the World's Strongest Man competition, which is, and this is just insane, the video, he deadlift, deadlifted 1,179 pounds of cheese. Leonard, inquiring minds wanna know, how much cheese could you deadlift? um it depends are we is it a soft cheese this was not soft cheese this was like a brick of cheese a brick of cheese you know if, if it's brie i think i could probably get some more up if we're talking like an aged cheddar i don't think i could do a whole lot uh but but funny enough after he lifted all that cheese bill kazmaier then ate it 
<laughs> yeah. So Bill Kazmaier dabbled in wrestling as well. We might cover him one yeah. day. Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah. We should, we should but in terms of the world's strongest man competition, like he's the Babe Ruth of, of that competition for sure. And then he would go on to do commentating on them as well. Um, so yeah, he's, he's a legend in that world. And the fact that like he still finished first in his last year of doing it is, you know, pretty remarkable that being Kazmaier, but Tom McGee was no slouch. Um, very strong guy. And he proved it uh, over and over again. He also set a record of the cement block lift, which is a squat on a Smith machine at 955 pounds in 1982. So that's just crazy. So Leonard, had you only heard of him based on his wrestling or did you know also about this portion of his life? You know, I too, back in the day would watch these strongman competitions and I didn't remember Tom McGee. So maybe I was watching the stuff from the seventies before he competed. I'm not sure on that, but yeah, I had uh, prior to us doing the spotlight and I had suggested doing Tom McGee because I think a picture of him had popped up uh, on Facebook somewhere. And I had, oh yeah, I heard that name and we're going to get into kind of why I'd heard that name in a little bit. But when we do these spotlights, I like it when we find guys who have had interesting lives outside of wrestling. And McGee has certainly done that before getting into wrestling, you know, much more than I knew, as you mentioned, you know, powerlifting, bodybuilding, gymnastics, martial arts, strongman competitions. It's insane. And kind of a side note here, it surprises me that the WWF never really pushed any of that when he was there. Right. You know, it wouldn't be, it would be mentioned like in passing on commentary sometimes, but look at how they use Kurt Angle's amateur wrestling background or Mark right. Henry's powerlifting background. And I think they should have done the same thing with McGee, especially since it seemed like he had a following coming into wrestling from his other stuff. People right. who were fans of the tough man, people who were fans of him, especially in Canada because of his powerlifting there. Um, as you mentioned, he had a documentary on his powerlifting. So this was a known commodity in different sporting elements of the sporting world before coming into wrestling and it's amazing that mcgee was doing all this strong lifting stuff and powerlifting stuff with the physique that he had and at a lower weight than a lot of the other guys i mean you look oh, yeah. at bill kazmaier or you look at mark henry and then you look at tom mcgee and consider they were doing a lot of the same stuff they were lifting in the same weight classes and but just the different body types so i think it's just amazing um you know and again we're gonna get more in, in into this uh when we talk more about his wrestling but i've often said that sting prior to his 1992 knee injury was the most athletic wrestler that i've ever seen but damn tom mcgee yeah I mean, oh yeah and, and we're gonna get into it i mean he could do a cartwheel he was doing backflips off the top turnbuckle he was uh, six foot five and 275 pounds as he claimed to be in one promo and be able to move like he did was amazing. And I think it was on, uh, I think Conrad Thompson on one of the Bruce Pritchard podcasts I, I was listening to said it was, he was basically Ricky Steamboat in the ultimate warrior's body. And I think that was a true statement, but it didn't necessarily get utilized. And that's probably a segue into our next segment on his spotlight years. Right. So, yeah, as you said, he's six foot five, 275. And like they, they would mention uh, on the commentary from time to time that he looked like he was just chiseled out of granite. And certainly he had that physique. Like he wasn't a weighty guy. He wasn't like a, a Hogan 
type build. Like he was just all muscle and, you know. Yeah, I, I saw, I would say I saw a uh, um, Don Morocco talking about McGee. And that's what McGee said. You know, he was, was Hogan was bulkier where McGee was just chiseled. Right. And and the difference in those two physiques, and I, you know, again, we're going to get into his wrestling a bit, but 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 Morocco, I I had often heard you, you know, people talk about how McGee wasn't any good and why he didn't excel, and then after looking at some things, like I don't know if I buy that, but then Morocco made some some points that will that we'll get to that I think may be true. Well, let's move on then to his spotlight years. We might as well uh, blend his spotlight years with some of his notable matches uh, because they kind of go hand in hand Yeah, uh, in, a, in a weird way. Um, so he his career as a professional wrestler was from 1985 to 1990. Um, he would wrestle in the WWF and in Japan, and he was trained by Stu Hart and began his career in Stampede Wrestling. And he would receive acclaim after one of his first matches in 1986 at a all Japan pro wrestling show where he took on Riki Koshu. And this match is available on YouTube. Uh, if you choose to go find it, it actually, it was actually interesting. This match had rounds. Um, and you know, it, it was, it was okay for what it was. We'll get into what Tom McGee kind of had going for him, like for many of these years and why, he would get this acclaim. So Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter said that he was the greatest combination of strength and agility the business had ever seen. And he was like the third runner up for Pro Wrestling Illustrated Rookie of the Year in 1986, which was won by Lex Luger. So a lot of people were very high on Tom McGee. Uh, he had some matches in Japan, as I mentioned, uh, but eventually he was signed by WWF and his most notable match in his career occurred pretty early on October 7th, 1986 in Rochester, New York, he defeated Bret Hart. So this match had kind of had a, was like mythical in many ways and very hot in terms of tape trading. If you could find it down because, you know, it was lost. Only a few, only a couple people had copies of this match. And basically what the rumor was, was that Vince McMahon saw this match and referred to Tom McGee as the next Hulk Hogan. Like they were really excited after this particular match, but because nobody was able to see it, there really wasn't much we could go on except for, you know, rumor and hearsay, and in Bret Hart's book, he did write about this particular match. Um, but then eventually the match was uncovered, which there's a whole documentary about that. I'm not going to go into detail about how the match was uncovered. But basically, there was a documentary on the WWE Network called Holy Grail, The Search for WWE's Most Infamous Lost Match, which covered the match, uh, the recovery of the tape, and short interviews with McGee and Bret Hart, among others. And it's really, really good. The unfortunate thing is it's not available on Peacock right now. If it is someday, maybe it will be. I actually watched it on Peacock. Maybe they removed it, but I, it took me two years to find it. How, okay, so how did you find it? Because I searched for Tom McGee 
and Holy Grail. Okay. So I went into, I, I think it was the documentary section and I went all the way to the end and it was like show all. And then I went through every single documentary and found it. But yeah, I tried to search for it to start with like you did and you can't find it. Well, there you go. Now I've actually seen it. I should add that. I saw it when I was on WWE Network and it yeah. was much easier to find. We could do a whole show about how much I do not like Peacock's handling of WWE content. However, the point is, I'm glad that it's out there actually. Yeah, uh, unless they had removed it. But yeah, the only way I could find it was if I was able to expand the entire doc section and then just go through it one by one and find it. Right. So it is there. It's not very long, about a half hour or so. Uh, yeah. It's well it's well worth watching. It is an interesting, interesting watch. Um, so basically, once everybody saw this match, it became obvious that what happened was that Tom McGee was carried through the match by Bret Hart, which is what Bret Hart wrote about. The fact that the guy couldn't walk a couple feet without tripping. <laughs> so, like, Bret Hart didn't have a lot of kind words to say, um, nor did Arn Anderson on his podcast, mm -hmm. Conrad Thompson, for that matter. Uh, so the match is serviceable for what it is, but Bret Hart did what Bret Hart does best, which is make other people look like stars. And so that's kind of how Tom McGee's career shapes up. Like, he would work with a few people that he worked with a lot of people, but if he worked with a good person like Arn Anderson or Bret Hart, or, you know, now I haven't seen the Magnificent Morocco match, but that exists, then he would look okay. Ted DiBiase, he also had a match with. Um, so those guys would make him look really, really nice and accentuate his positives and hide the negatives. Um, but if he wasn't with somebody that was seasoned and knew what they were doing and knew how to call a match, then his flaws would become apparent, which I'm sure you noticed, right, Leonard? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I watched the, the the network special, and in hindsight, it's kind of hard to go, oh, yeah, of course, where at the time everyone was like, oh, Tom McGee's this, this big star. But as Hart said, he kind of went to McGee, said, hey, what are your top three moves? And he built a match around that while working his usual stuff in. And knowing that, but after Hart says it and you watch the match, you go, oh, yeah, I can see what he's doing. And he looks amazing here. And what really surprised me, you mentioned uh, the Art Anderson match, which was from 88. And uh, I did watch that on YouTube. It has French commentary, the version that I found. Yeah, so uh, we've made mention of some of these shows in the past. So back mm -hmm. in the day, there were shows that were geared just towards the um, the Canadian French Canadian audiences yeah. and this was one of them which I had not seen a clip of with that commentary before but. yeah so I watched that and and I think those matches are good but it really surprised me though as a podcast Anderson said that his match with McGee wasn't good nor the okay. ones with Hart and DiBiase and I think that's Anderson looking at it from the inside and knowing the mechanics of what the match was right and what was going on behind the scenes with mcgee um i did not watch the choshu match i didn't find that i just kind of googled tom mcgee and i found i don't know if you watched these but i found uh, uh matches against terry gibbs and tim horner yep i saw the, i saw those as well yeah and i figured okay here here we go here's where the shit show comes in mm -hmm. but in my opinion they weren't 
I mean, I thought McGee was serviceable in both. Uh, he even worked heel against Horner, and, uh, and he came off fine. I mean, the man- matches were bland. They were paint by numbers. But I would certainly say that I've seen a lot worse. And when you factor in the athletics and gymnastics, um, you would have to say that McGee was better than the ultimate warrior for the same period. And I know a lot of people compare him to Warrior, saying, hey, if he would have been that much more decent, he would have been the ultimate warrior. He would have got to the IC title level. He may have been the future champion. So I don't know your opinion of of the Gibbs and Horner matches since you said you saw those, but I didn't think they were particularly all that bad. So one of the things about Tom McGee is that, as you say, there are, there are, and were worse people who are getting started in the business. Um, He had his flaws for sure. But in my opinion, I looked at those flaws as, okay, we could have done this. We could have done that to cover these flaws. We could have worked with him more on X, Y, Z, and he could have, you know, progressed much nicer. Um, But as it was said in some of the podcast clips that I came across, there were a lot of good workers back then. And when you weren't that great of a worker, it was really apparent. So like you have Tom McGee who maybe just needed some work and maybe just needed a mouthpiece or something, something to like dress him up a little bit better. And, you know, it would have been, it would have been fine, but instead you have this guy who looks great. And as one commenter on YouTube said that uh, he had the body of the ultimate warrior, the look of Kerry Von Erich, the athleticism of two cold Scorpio and the charisma and wrestling talent of a coffee table, (laughs) which is is funny. Um, As far as his in-ring talent, I think he just needed more work from people that could do it. As far as his charisma, that's something that you can't teach all Mm -hmm. the time. And that is the big difference between he and the ultimate warrior, in my opinion. And so the ultimate warrior, it should be noted, came along during McGee's tenure. And so when you have Tom McGee already there and he's not really working out because he doesn't really have the most, you know, glaring charisma, you know, and then you have the ultimate warrior who, although is rough in the ring and is potatoing people, he did have charisma. That's one thing you could say about the warrior. He did have that it factor, um, at least to a certain extent. So yeah, the, the Tim Horner match and the Terry Gibbs match, they were okay. Like I think the most glaring flaw, not that I'm a wrestler or ever will be that I noticed when I would watch his matches is his striking. Like he's a little stiff when it comes to, you know, kicking, punching, those kind of things that, you know, you notice like, okay, he's like barely touching this guy. He was, he's a little stiff around the ring. I, I kind of equate it to sometimes the way John Cena would be um, just a little bit wooden in how he moved. But I, I mean, I agree with you overall. Like he is, was not that bad. Those matches were not terrible to watch. Um, it's just, uh, it's, it's unfortunate that it happened the way it did. Uh, but, what after he would have that match with Bret Hart, he would basically be relegated to C level house shows. So for those who might not know when they would run house shows, there would be an A show, which is where you'd find somebody like Hogan. You'd have a B show and then you'd have C shows, which are kind of the bottom of the barrel. And uh, so he would be mostly on the C shows and 
they kind of the WWF kind of gradually fell out of love with Tom McGee. And it should be noted that Vince McMahon has always been a guy who is really high on looks above all else. Mm -hmm. And right at the end of McGee's tenure as a wrestler, uh, Vince would try to start the World Bodybuilding Federation. So this guy fit into exactly the type of person that Vince was looking for. Um, it just didn't, unfortunately, pan out the way they wanted to. So he would wrestle against people like Iron Mike Sharp. And as we mentioned, Arn Anderson, um, he uh, won that match via count out, which I thought was interesting. Uh, he would make a heel turn and be called Mega Man McGee, which is, I don't know why, like, it's not a bad name. It's just, I don't know, it made me laugh, like, when they would prefer to him as Mega Man McGee. So they should have gave him the Mega Man outfit with, like, right. the helmet and the Go like, all the out, blaster. Right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he would eventually be managed by Jimmy Hart at one point. And uh, as we mentioned, he faced Tim Horner in a lot of different house shows. And uh, yeah, that would wrap up his wrestling career. He, he left wrestling pretty quietly uh, as, it's, as it's written and uh, would, you know, we'll get to some of the things he did afterwards. Mm-hmm. But uh, any other comments about his, his wrestling career, Leonard, that you wanted to add? You know, in hindsight, it boggles my mind that McGee never got at least the IC title level. You know, everything that, that you said, he had a great look. He was super athletic. He had basic ring skills. He proved he could be carried. Mm-hmm. His promos were a little bland, kind of a vanilla baby face. As you said, he didn't have a lot of charisma. But you give him a manager or a valet to compensate, and I think he could get somewhere. Yep. And today, you know what they would do? They would dump him in the performance center for a year or two and then bring him into NXT opening nxt and then slowly work them up the ladder and that's yeah. and what you said was what don morocco said was back then the wwf had a bunch of great workers right and if they weren't about coaching somebody along they were like you get in there and you do it uh and he it's said like that an either he, you have it or you don't sort yeah. of mentality whereas now they might work on somebody give somebody more chances you know mm-hmm. There's a different, it's a different era, obviously now, but back then you either had it or you didn't. And if you didn't, they were not about to help you along because everybody was trying to protect their spot. Yeah. And I also don't understand why another company, especially someone like the AWA, who was super struggling on their last legs at the time, then give him a flyer after he left the WWF in 1990, as you said, when he leaves there, um, he kind of disappears. Uh, well, at least from wrestling. Uh, I think, you know, in our next segment, the the after years, um, he has a, a uh, at least one, to me, very interesting blip. Yeah. So after he would leave wrestling, he would try very briefly uh, to be in movies. So he did appear in several movies. The, one of the most notable was uh, Stone Cold, starring not Steve Austin, but starring Brian Bosworth which is a uh, action uh, B-movie classic. If uh... It was on HBO all the time when I was younger. I watched it all the time. I loved the movie. I've actually read Bosworth's autobiography. Uh, and of course, at the time, I didn't know that that was Tom McGee, the guy in that fight scene. No, no. But now I know, and, I've, and I watched that clip again, and it's a, it's a heck of a really cool choreographed fight scene from a movie. Yeah. And McGee looks amazing in it, and, yeah. and it's, a, it's a great fight. 
yeah i mean it, you know it's it's a shame he wasn't in uh in more in more movies in that type of character i don't know if he could have been a mainstream star or anything like that but uh no i think he's a heavy i, I you know yeah. i think he's like the, the a goon he's the underboss you got to get to through before you get to the big bad in the film right and I'm assuming that the interesting blip that you were referring to, Leonard, was uh, what happened in May of 2018, which is that he was the victim of an assault in front of his home mm-hmm. in Mar Vista, California. So there was an argument over a parking spot, and he would get the holy hell beaten out of him by six different men um, kicking and punching him in the face. He would suffer a broken jaw, broken eye socket and concussion. And, you know, and they weren't even Marines like who took out Shawn Michaels. Right. Well, you know, I'm sure he wasn't. Yeah. He's, he was on neighborhood watch. Tom McGee was. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when, you know, you hear this and you're just like, okay, it's an assault. You need to find the clip of this news story and you go look at the picture of his face after this event. Because when I say he got the crap beat out of him, I mean, it's literal. I mean, and it was six guys. So it's to through, you know, I'm no harm on him, you know, as far as, um, you know, mentally, because obviously he probably did what he could, but uh, it's six guys. And you yeah, know, it's it's not the movies. You think, oh, well, he's a badass martial art powerlifting dude. And not against six guys. <laughs> yeah. They don't attack one at a time, like in a movie. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they, don't all, they all ganged them at one time. That's how you do it. He didn't tag in Iron Mike Sharp, you know. Yeah. That. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, and it's so it was a bad, a bad image. Uh, but uh, I was really excited when he appeared in the documentary that we mentioned yeah. on WWE Network because, uh, you know, he doesn't look the same. But it's cool to hear him speak about the match. He honestly seems like a very nice guy. I've not met him, but he seems really cool and really humble about his experience. And uh, he's done a lot of interesting stuff in his life. So I I think that he's had a, an interesting career. The fact that he was able to have this match. And I mean, the worst thing that would be that he didn't have any interesting matches and nobody even remembered he was a wrestler, but he was able to do something. McGee seems like a guy who, I don't know if this is true, but like he would have like if he had kids or grandkids that they would maybe like find some old stuff in the attic and be like, hey, grandpa, what's this? It's like, oh, I used to wrestle back in the 80s, you know, WWF TV, whatever. And would just be really like like he wouldn't brag about it. Like, I don't think he would bring it up. Like even in that documentary, it seemed like they just called him and said, hey, you want to come in and talk about this? He's like, yeah, I'll do that for you. And just, just you know, just came in. And again, it, it's, and I don't know his, his path, but you know, he's not nearly as jacked as he used to be. He, he's not fat. I'm like, he's just a thin guy with short hair and, and it's kind of hard to see him now and see him then figure out it's the same guy. But. And you know what, it's this, what you were saying reminded me of uh, one thing I saw in the YouTube comments. I think it was the match against Tim Horner. And before I say this, I'm not, accusing tom mcgee of this but at one point in the match with tim horner you can hear the audience yelling mega roids mega roids over and over again which i which i just thought was funny um but uh because to look at tom mcgee and to see some of the events that he did in the strongman competition like this is a guy that took his physique very seriously so uh 
we'll just leave, we'll just leave yeah. it. I just thought go further funny. down that road. Yeah, a fun, it was a funny chant for back in the eighties. Like, yes, yeah, because they didn't do things like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so some of his match statistics I was looking up here. He had about 120 matches. He had 72 wins and 43 losses and five draws. So, you know, I was looking through his his match listing here just to see. So that's a decent push. I mean, he, yeah. he won more than he lost. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I was just looking to see some of the interesting people that he mm -hmm. that he faced. Um, and the, the one that I wish I could have tracked down the match would be the match against the Magnificent Morocco, which was yeah. a match for WWF superstars. Uh, but, yeah, he would do some tag stuff as, as well. And uh, yeah, so I hope Tom McGee does more interviews and uh, gets himself out there more um, just because I, he seems like an interesting guy. And uh, the interviews that I saw with him present day were uh, were good ones. So mm -hmm. yeah. any, any final thoughts, Leonard? You know, doing this show, McGee went from, oh, that horrible dude Bret Hart carried once to this huge mystery of why he never got past where he did. And we talked a little bit about uh, the reasons for that. Was the charisma? Was the fact that they weren't going to hold his hand the whole way? Right. Morocco talked a little bit about his, his attitude that he thought, you know, he was all that because of his body back then. And I think politics might have been a big part of it. Um, you know, again, wasn't around, but he doesn't sound like a guy who would politic and push backstage like how we know the ultimate warrior did right and that could be why he got lost in the shuffle along with never really connecting with people i mean hart and anderson talk about him like it didn't seem like they disliked him but they didn't like him either he was just a guy and maybe right. that was the problem yeah you know if nobody's pushing for him and he's not pushing for himself you know where are you so yeah. i i would say and this is just all conjecture on my part and everything that we see McGee say now, I think he was happy to be there. Yeah. And, and he didn't push for himself and others didn't push for him. And it was just, when we talk about the Bret Hart match or the Ted DiBiase match, those guys are ultimate professionals. And if you say, go out there and get this dude over, they're going to go out there and get this dude over because right. that's what they do. But then I don't think McGee necessarily did anything on his own to get himself over. Right. You know, he kind of relied on the... Uh the acrobatics, you know, yeah. to, to get him over. And, you know, in that, in that area, you just, you needed a little other something. Yeah. He didn't really have a, a, a character or a gimmick. I mean, he was just, at, like I was saying earlier, I think you could have built something out of the powerlifting background, the martial arts background, the gymnastics background. And maybe that's part of it too. The fact that he didn't really have a character and yeah. they also, they didn't. And what it made it interesting, the fact that Vince would go on to start the WBF, and that he was so into these bodybuilding guys and these powerlifting guys yeah. and that here you have one and you're really not doing what you can to push that mm -hmm. um and this was in the era of characters and he was just tom mcgee from yeah. Canada. so if he had had a character of some sort who knows where he could have gone or what he could have done or if tom mcgee had come along in the era of ken shamrock or kurt angle or steve blackman mm -hmm. It might have been a little different story then too, because then he could have been just Tom McGee powerlifter. <laughs> yeah, and they could have incorporated some of that other stuff that he had, like the martial arts background. And the thought I just had now, we're talking about character and the fact that he had so many backgrounds. You know, Bo Jackson was big at this time, and the idea of multi-sport athletes. 
Right. And that maybe could have been his game. Yeah. Oh, maybe a reverse Mr. Perfect. Yeah. In a way, you know, where he's the face that's good at everything. In uh, in the game 80s Mania Wrestling Returns, they refer to the Mr. Perfect character as the flawless one. Yes. So maybe Tom McGee could have been the flawless one. Yeah, and then you would have had this great feud, and then you could have done a Hennig McGee feud. <laughs> See, now I now I wish we would have seen that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll mention I'll mention this, you know, because we, we've been planning to do this Tom McGee spotlight for a while. Yeah. And uh, and I've talked about how I'm doing a, a long-term fancy booking show. And I actually picked up Tom McGee for fun. And uh, I was able to get Chris Jericho in a recent draft because um, the AEW promotion folded in the, dra- in, in the league. Oh, wow. And, and uh, so I'm, I'm running a feud right now where Tom McGee is feuding with Chris Jericho. But it's current day overweight blown up walking across the room chris jericho so it's like super athletic tom mcgee against broken down chris jericho and chris jericho and, would have probably written a whole book about how tom mcgee didn't wrestle very good in the ring yes yes but but the idea is that that tom mcgee is going to help get jericho back into shape there you go that's where i'm going with it i like that yeah i like that well if you have any thoughts on tom mcgee let us know do your best to track down that documentary on Peacock and uh, make sure to check us out on Apple podcasts and or Spotify. If you would rather listen to us, give us a five-star review over on Apple. If you could give us a like on YouTube, subscribe to our channel. We come at you each and every week with a new topic. And for Leonard, my name is Chad and we will see you next week.